How many of you guys come to church just to come to church like that's the right thing to do? How many of you come to church just to come to church because it's the right thing to do? Right, like the obligation? And my question for that is because traditionally, for at least 2,000 years, we could argue that that's been the case. That we don't necessarily come to be transformed, we don't come to be reformed, we don't come to be rejuvenated, we don't come for a lot of the things and a lot of the promises. And so my heart is blessed. Iris, it's good to see you again. Leah, I couldn't be more proud of you. I know life is tough, and I know right now you're battling. You're fighting for your life and the life of your children. I know it. I can see it. I can feel it. And I want you to know that God loves you. He hears your cries. But Leah, he needs you to hear him. He needs you to hear him. What you're hearing, listen to that. Stop thinking you're not hearing him because you're hearing him. He's talking to you, isn't he? And you're hearing things that you don't want to hear because it causes a great change. And it's scary. It's scary. But God says it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay that your lives are worth fighting for, right? Like you girls can change when you walk in that. Terry, you know where you're stuck, right? Like, stop. Stop being afraid. Terry, there is an amazing woman waiting to get out. And it comes out when you don't think anybody's looking. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to let God work in you. Right? Rachel, <laughs> you know the drill. Like, you're, you're not stupid. The world's told you you are. And you've been told that you're less than for a long time. To just quit fighting Quit thinking you're that. And you know, Dad made you perfect. Who you are, like in here, is incredible. The love of God in here. Like he's right there, Rachel. He's right there. So you suffer from the same thing all of us suffer from. It's scary to break out from routine, even when routine just keeps you down. When the devil wants to put you under his heel and stomp you into the ground and you don't feel like you're enough, and God is saying, but I am. You're my daughter and I love you. You see, what the devil doesn't seem to understand is that Jesus actually put the devil under his heel and he stomped on him. Right? And so God's already done the work. We have to learn how to be obedient, and that means you. So all the changes, look around you, sister. Look around you. Each and every one of us has to make changes in our life. We have to. We get to. And what a blessing that is to be able to do it, but it's scary because it's uncharted. And everywhere you go and everywhere you look and everyone you talk to is saying, you can't do it, you're not enough, don't even try. The same tape keeps playing over and over and over and over and over and it just won't go away because you're listening to the same tape. Right, We're listen why are we listening to the same tape? 
Take the tape out of the tape deck, snap it, throw it in the garbage. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be played. Amen. And he what? He will flee. It's not he might, he may. We don't worship a passive God. We worship a God who is active. Who is constantly crying out to his children. And constantly wants to love us and we're afraid. Like, well, what if I push it too much? What if I do too much? What's too much God? What is too much God? Can you define for me what is too much God? Because we must have something in us that's telling us that there's too much. Well, that's too much. My friends will think I'm a freak. What, 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 what would happen? Well, what would happen if you figured out what a true friend was? What would happen if the friends that you have, if you realize those that keep you down and those who are always pushing you up, Right? There's some that push you down or that hold you down and they're never calling you up. My argument is that a friend, a true friend, someone that you actually should be around is one who is always picking you up, always pointing out the good and the beauty in you. Right? Like, for all your mistakes, boy, that was stupid, but man, you were just awesome. Right? You see how I did that? Like, that was stupid, but you're awesome. I'm not giving the devil an inch. I'm not allowing him to assign my identity as less than. And what we do, what we do is we walk into that obedience to the devil and we listen to him telling us that we're not good enough. But Rachel, right now in the name of Jesus, we just declare peace in your head and in your heart. And we say, no more Satan. This is not your kid. This is God's daughter. This is God's daughter. You'll take your hands off of her. Take your hands off of her and bless her. Clear up the stinking thinking. Clear up the fight, the battle that's waging in her heart and in her mind. Lord God, clear this up for her. Help her to walk in that peace. Bless her. She's a sweet girl. You made a good one here, Lord. And we just pray your blessing over her. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. It's tearing me up. It's tearing me up to see. It's tearing me up because in some measure, I feel like I do the same thing myself. I don't, I don't know what else to do with them, honey. I, I'm going to flail them around and start flying around this room. So in order to stop flying, I'm going to put my hands right here. Like I feel like I do this myself. Like I want to be so, I want to be so peaceful around everybody and not cause waves. I don't want to, I don't want to stir anything up because then what happens? Like if everybody thinks this or that, and like, is it possible for me to love ridiculously, to stir up waves and show how much I actually care about people? Like, can I do that, or do I have to push them all away? Like I just believe that like. Some people might not be ready to hear the message of Jesus Christ, but everybody needs to. Amen. 
and I stop doing it and I stop being the hands and feet of Jesus Christ because if they find out or if, and even if they know I might just push him away and I'm so ashamed and I'm stuck inside my head battling with my head and my heart like not knowing what to do or how to do it but if Jesus is real in my heart then why don't I just jump up and declare Jesus Christ everywhere everywhere that I go and everything and those people that are not willing to love me for me then maybe I need to set them aside. And I say, you know what? I love you. I love you, but I'm not giving you the territory in my life to rip me down anymore. I am more than a victim in this thing called life. I am not doing it anymore. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not going to be tortured. I'm not going to be tormented. I'm not going to be the victim of your garbage. I love you, and if you want to come along, come on, let's go. But if you don't, I'm going that away. If you're going that away, you're not dragging me back. But it's hard because it feels like it might be lonely. And I know some of us are fighting that battle. I know that some of us are fighting. I know that some of us have an assignment that's greater than we ever thought we could live. But God is faithful. So faithful that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross. And, and in that, like, if you're looking to see what this looks like and how, how it looks like to love people, even when they seem to stand against you, and walk and follow your mission, then look at Jesus Christ on the cross. Because what happened on the cross? What was next to him, to his left and to his right? Two sinners, right? One of them came to know him. There were Roman guards all around him. One of the sinners came to know him, the other one didn't. But what did Jesus say? Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Right? And so we got this thing all twisted, like we have to disown people and hate them. And that's not anywhere in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not anywhere. He talks about putting people aside, right? Like, if they don't accept it, kick the dust off of your feet and move on. Because those that aren't coming with are holding you back. And it's not that I don't love you. It's that I love you enough, but I love me more. Because I have a mission from God, and so do you. If you're not ready to listen yet, that's okay. I love you. I love you, and I will always be here for you. But don't feel bad when I move on. But I can't let you hold me back. Right? We do that with our history, and we hold the negative of our history, and we allow the history to dictate who we are, and we never make the steps forward. We talked about it last night. God's got something going today. Some reason he's talking about this before communion. And he needs all of us, each and every one of us, to know that there is something so amazing and so incredible about Jesus Christ and the blood that he shed. That it changes, it transforms our lives. And so we don't just come to church just to do it. It's not just some obligatory obligation. Like something that whatever that we could do without. It's not an option. You see, we've castrated the gospel. We've taken away its chutzpah. 
We've taken away everything and we've relegated it to be just something that we do. But what would happen if we actually came to a place to build one another up so that we could grow in Jesus Christ, so that we could grow in the strength, the wisdom, and the knowledge of our Father in heaven and actually walked out of here more on fire than when we came in? What if this was a filling station? Right? When your car's out of gas, what do you do? You pull up to the pump, you fill it up. Well, what happens if you're preaching the gospel, walking out and being the gospel Monday or Sunday afternoon through Sunday morning, and you need a recharge? Well, come on in. Pull up to the pump. Mm-mm, it's full service. You need your windows cleaned so you can see straight? Let us clean your windows. You need gas in your tank? Absolutely. Let's check the oil. How's the air in the tires? Can I get you a fresh air freshener? So you're not smelling all the funk that you picked up over the week? Right? And so we take communion. We take communion and, like, like think about what Jesus is teaching us. Think about it. It's not just communion. It's not just something that we do. It's not just nothing. It's everything. It's everything. We are about to partake in the Last Supper. We are about to partake in Jesus' body and his blood. And so how is it that we're not prepared to do so? How is it that we could take it so flippantly and not give it the attention that it needs? Right? How is it that we could take Jesus' body and blood and not receive his power and his glory with it? But we've been doing it for 2,000 years. Hey, Elijah. Elijah. Eli. Come here. You and your buddy, come here. Eli. Come on up here, guys. Come up here. You two both come up here. Come on. You guys can grab a seat right here. You see, you don't get to just come to church and eat donuts. You know why? Guess why? Guess why? Grab a, grab a seat. Come on. Nope, right here. You don't need that. You'll go back. Come here. I know, that's the second time you've told me. Still the same story. Sit up. You're a big boy. You can sit up like a big boy. Right? Right? How old are you? How? Seven. Seven. Right? And seven-year-olds are able to sit up and, and they're able to listen, right? And you can do that. You're, you're a good kid because why did I call you up here? Why did I call you guys up here? Did you know that you guys matter to Jesus? And what you see all the adults doing is we're taking the thing called communion. And these, this is the sacrament. I know. I so... In, in the Bible, yep, so this is his body and that's his blood, and it was shed for you guys too, right? Like you guys are important that when Jesus died 2,000 years ago, he was thinking of you. Is that tripping your brain a little bit? You're like, what? 
Once you know who Jesus is and you receive him as your Lord and Savior, you're not able to know that and understand that? Absolutely. But we got some teaching to do. It doesn't mean that you're less than. It just means that right now, maybe you don't quite get it. But you and I will talk, okay? What do you think? We're going to talk. We're going to talk and we're going we're gonna to have you guys celebrate in communion with us soon. Right? But it's important for you to know that on the night in which he was betrayed, right, all these guys came to take Jesus. And they came to take him. And you might think that it was a bad thing, but God turned it into something good. Because by Jesus dying, he paid for our sins. His blood covers all of us. Well, that's, we'll answer that at another time. Okay? I appreciate your curious mind. But you see, that night that Jesus was betrayed, when the, when the Roman guards were going to come and take him, he had dinner with all his disciples. Nope. But if you check this out, so all these guys are going to come and Jesus is going to die. And he's going to die for us. But he wanted to make sure that we learned something. And he sat at that dinner table before they came to get him. He said, he took the bread and he blessed it. And he gave thanks to the Father, God. And he said, this is my body, broken and shed for you. Take and eat. And then Eli... Then what did he do? Come on. Remember seven year old. Remember seven. You're seven, not three, right? Oh, you got this. You got this. You got this, buddy. I believe in you. So then after supper, Jesus took the cup and he blessed it. And he gave thanks and he said, Take and drink. This is my blood the blood of the new covenant shed for you. And so we partake in the body and blood of Jesus Christ to remember the sacrifice that was given so that we could live this amazing and incredible life. Right? So if you guys in the seat, pack, seat backs or in your, your uh, brochures, you have the doxology and it's important to think about what God did so we don't just sing the doxology but we celebrate God when we sing all right can you sing with me like like you believe it with your heart not just with words but with your heart all right Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. y'all know that God loves you know that he's in you yep they're good to go back 
All right, so we've been studying. He's okay to go back if you want. I think we got somebody back there. All right, so we've been studying the Great Commission. Can anybody tell me what the Great Commission is? <coughs> What's that? What's that? That's the Great Commandment. You're right there. Go therefore and make disciples. Of who? Lottie Dottie, everybody, right? And these are really, really, like, you know, I think sometimes, <coughs> I think sometimes we have this tendency to minimize virtually everything. If it causes a, a little ripple or a little rough in our feathers, we just, we're, we're, we could just, like, like, minimize it and make it this little thing. Right? You know what minimizing did for me? Made me minor in the things that mattered and major in the things that were trying to kill me. It made me minor in the things that matter and major in the things that tried to kill me. I'm 52 years old and my heart breaks every single week when I look at Facebook. Because I've got classmates and friends of mine that are still living for the weekend. Woo, yeah! And it's not because Sunday. It's because the wine and the whiskey and the music and the ladies flow too well on Friday and Saturday night. Still walking in the world, denying God, denying the importance of their own lives, right? Like, how many of you guys have, have got um, a great story when you're out drinking and using, like a time when you were loaded and it just absolutely radically transformed your life for the better? Come on, certainly, certainly out of all these great people sitting here, we should be able to tell one story. <laughs> but somebody should be able to tell you this story then. My last night of drinking, somebody came up to me a week later and they said, Oh, Fred, you were just being you. You see, I've minimized the fact that I have a value in this world. I allowed the lies of the enemy to keep me from trying anything good. And anytime I would try, I would inevitably run into a wall pretty quick and then I would just fall down and say, skip it, that's not for me, right? How many of you guys have squashed dreams? Like you knew when you were young what, what you were being called to or you, you had a, a hankering in your mind, you had this inkling to go forth and do something and you ran into an obstacle and you allowed that obstacle to tell you that you couldn't do it. I was going to be a guidance counselor. I wanted to be a high school guidance counselor and I wanted to make a difference in kids' lives. So I went to the Persian Gulf. I fought for my country. Our president said, you are going to get free college. 
I'm like, yes! So I came back, and I dropped out of high school, but I got my GED, and I'm like, yes, I'm going to get it. I'm going to do this thing. And I get into college, and I'm like two months in, you know, I'm doing my things. I get my like midterm stuff and my grades, and, and I have the, the financial office calling me. They say, hey, Fred, you need to pay up. Well, what do you mean I need to pay up? Yeah, you need to pay. Uh, I'm like, well, I got the GI Bill, man. Like, the, the government's paying for me to go to school. I'm good. No, Fred, they're not paying you. And it deflated me. It deflated me. It, it, it killed me, and I dropped out halfway through my first semester in college. Like, I was finally going to be something. Uh, got kicked in the head again. Just lay her down, Fred. And then all the enemies from, from the war brain start coming in. And I'm drinking, and I'm drugging, and I'm womanizing, and I'm doing all these things, and I just go off. And then I get sober for a minute, and I try to go to college again. And then I got into trouble. You see, because I was minimizing the effects that the alcohol and the drugs were having on my life. I was minimizing and not understanding my own value in this thing called life. And so I let, due to not making choices, I let my alcoholism and my drug addiction take me out. So the first time it's money, the second time it's drugs, it's alcohol, it's stupid behavior. And then I drop out and so that dream is squashed again. And it's like how many times can you get your dream squashed and you just stop trying? And so I stopped trying for another 11 years. I stopped trying, and what, is this, what does this have to do with baptizing? What does it have to do with baptizing? What does it have to do with communion? It has a lot to do with it, you see, because... If, if I have professed my love for Jesus Christ, if, if I believe that he died on the cross for me, then I become Christian. As I take him as my Lord and Savior, I become a Christian. The old is gone and the new has come. And so if I'm living in the past, then how am I going to live in the future? You see, I can't, I can't operate in two different time zones. I can't operate in yesterday and today. We talked about it last night, about how all the information that we, we receive today is bounced off of yesterday in hopes for tomorrow. But if I have bad information, I have bad history back here, if I shut off history, if I ignore it, or if I live back here and won't live for today and tomorrow, then I'm never going to get to where i got to go. You see what I'm saying? And so all the times that I got beat up and all the times that I got just shot down again, all the times that I believed the lies that said, you're not enough, all those times took precedence in my life. And the problem in the church so oftentimes is that we allow 
the past or what somebody told us we are to take precedence in our life so that we never live to the fullness of God. Like there's doubts not in who God is, but who I am in God, right? Does that make sense? Like we just, for whatever reason, something gets stuck in here. And yes, I believe in Jesus Christ, but no, I can't go forward. Like you don't understand Jesus. And he says, no, you don't understand. You're holding on to some bad stuff over here. You don't understand that in me, I have created something new in you. So when you look in the mirror, what are you seeing? What are you seeing when you look in the mirror? Are you seeing yesterday? Or are you seeing hope? What are you seeing? You see, because as we celebrate baptism, we celebrate being cleansed and reborn and rebirthed and forgiven and all these things. As we celebrate communion, we say yes to Jesus again. Every time we do it, it's like, yes, Lord. But then by the time we get out the door, how many of you guys are, are doubting? How many of you guys are doubting what God can do in your life by the time you hit the door? And then no real change comes. And you wonder why, and you're getting stuck, and you're going, well, what is the deal? What's going on here? How can, how can I, I go to church and then nothing changes? But do we actually get to the point where we actually truly believe what God has done? Do we understand what it means to be a new creation in Christ Jesus? Do we get that? You see, and what's the point? What's the point of going forth and making disciples? How do we make disciples when we're not disciples ourselves? And why aren't we disciples? Why are we not making God priority? Why? What legitimate reason do you have to put God as a backup? Like how many of you, if you were pressed hard enough, would come to the conclusion that God, you get what's left? But if you remember, there's been the study of the boys and who put who first. Right? Who killed who? And the story's played out. Adam and Eve's kids, what were their names? Cain and Abel, right? And what happened? Cain killed Abel. And why did Cain kill Abel? And what was the story? What was the moral of that? What did Abel do that Cain didn't do? gave his first, right? And so why is it that we suffer this spiritual death day in and day out and we put God last? But what happens if we put God first? Do we become Cain or do we become Abel? And if we die for the glory of God, have we died an unrighteous death or an unfair death? Have we Right? You know what I'm saying? Like, 
if we go. But then I question, so if I don't, if I'm, if I'm struggling, have I really received God in my heart? And, and has God in my heart made a difference? Has he driven my feet to do something different than I did before? I have to realize that I'm worthy of what Jesus did on the cross. I have to realize that when God created me, he created something amazing and beautiful. That I'm not what the world is telling me. And I have to always remember that I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. That the old is gone and the new has come. But if I live and I walk in fear and I don't give God my best... Have I really called God into my heart? Or have I called him into my head? Because God in your head will end you up in hell. God in your heart will end you in heaven. You see, because how do you claim Jesus as your Lord and Master and not in your heart? So we get to understand, we get to take the time, we get to do the real inventory, we get to do the real hard work, and might I say that you are worth the work. You are worth the work because all the work after that has already been done. So we take communion in celebration of what Jesus did for us, and it's my hope that we do remember who Jesus is. It's my hope that we remember that we have joined with him in that death like his and that in his death we were raised by the same Holy Spirit to be a new creation. And so why would we hold on to the old that wants to tie us down, that wants to tell us that we're not enough? You see, and the problem is, is that if we don't believe it, how do we give something different to our kids? Why do I call the kids up here? Wouldn't it be easier just to figure out how to get them to shut up? Like, just sit back there and shut up. I don't want to hear you. Wouldn't that be easier? Right? Don't we do that at home? Like, just get in your room. You better get to that room. Oh, boy. <laughs> right? Right? So now, so now, check this out. Remember, remember. That's a good point, and I'm glad you brought it up. Quit imitating me, because who else am I imitating? Lottie Dottie, just about every dagburn body, myself included. When my wife doesn't act right, I don't tell her literally to go to her room, but, I, but figuratively I do. You know, it's like, gosh, would you just... And so I need to look, I need to look, and I need to see that, like, my wife requires some special attention. Not that she's special needs, but she requires a man to love her. Right? She requires, she requires a husband to love her, but how do I love her if I don't understand where I'm failing, where I'm falling short in those times when I'm not living constantly in the presence of God? When I'm living in something other than the newness and the fullness and the richness of the Father, I'm going to fail her every time. I wish I had enough hands, fingers, and toes to count the times that I know that I've let her down. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, how does it tie into communion and how does it tie into baptism? And what's the beauty and the glory? The beauty and the glory is that something can be different. 
Something can be different. We're called to live a different life. And why is it so important to be baptized? Right? Like, shouldn't it just be enough to take Jesus as Lord? Well, what if, what if there's something in that, that washing, in that cleansing that washes us? Like, we can see, we can taste, we can feel something new, something different, something has been wiped and removed from us. Any of you guys ever use Rain-X that you dump in your little car wash thingy and, and the, like the rain, the drops of rain, they just kind of wash away? Well, what if Jesus and Holy Spirit were like spiritual Rain-X? And as you take, you take in Holy Spirit, the things of the world don't stick, but they just go woof, and they're gone. It's like, holy cow, that's supernatural. I have been supernaturally cleansed. So then, when Eli is being a seven-year-old rambunctious boy, mom can go to that place. She can remember that I've been baptized. I've been washed and I've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I know that my boy, while rambunctious, is not the devil. Right? But boy, does he act like it. If that was the devil, that's just what he'd look like. What exactly what he'd act like. And we start taking it to a spiritual level. We start taking it to a supernatural level in ourselves. And we, and we remind ourselves of this baptism. We remind ourselves of being washed clean. We remind ourselves of the spiritual rainex that's been putting, put on us. Right? Like it couldn't even hold death. The enemy couldn't even hold death. So why do we give it so much power? Why do we give the enemy so much power and we relegate God to the back seat? Right? God's back here. God's back here and you can't even reach and touch him most of the time. But what happens if we put him in the first 10% of our lives? Miracles, signs, and wonders, I'm told. I had a friend here today, and if you want a miracle, sign, and wonder, it's the better part of 20 years sober. That's a miracle. That's a sign, and that's a wonder. And to watch this friend as he goes through life and watch the things that have happened in his life, it's a miracle. It's a sign and it's a wonder. He's far from perfect. But he's probably a better man than I am most days. <laughs> but it's not about better or worse. It's about God and what God can do in us. When we recognize that we've been washed clean, washed by the blood of Jesus... So I'd like to say we're just getting started on the sermon because we haven't even gone to the first slide yet. So I don't know what God's up to today. Well, I do. but um, So baptism is two parts. So part one, baptism is associated with repenting of sin. What does repent mean? Right, so we put, we put these sins down, right? So... 
So, God, I'm sorry. I've sinned against you. These things that I do that are wrong, that I know are wrong, I lay them at your feet, God. And I ask you for your forgiveness. And God says, my, my son has paid for your forgiveness. And guess what we don't do? Right, but how many of us pick them back up and put them in our pocket? Like some of these things are, some of these things are pretty cool. So I just, I'm just going to take this one with, I'm just going to sneak it back here. Like I'll put it back here. Hey, God, you don't notice that, do you? Right, so we, we, put, it, we put it right back in there and, and we walk it out. And we walk out virtually the same thing again. And we're stuck in this repetitive cycle. How many of you guys, how many of you guys would take a walk on a gravel road, take your shoes off, and walk on the gravel road and be surprised because the gravel hurts your feet? Let's try a glass road, shards of broken glass. You take your shoes off and you walk on broken glass and you're surprised when you cut your feet. Does that make sense? But yet, here we go through this crazy little thing called life, and it's dangerous out there. And we drop our covering, and we're surprised when the world attacks us again. We put down what we know to be right, and we walk in what we know to be wrong, and we're surprised that we get the same results again. It's like, why does this keep happening to me? Well, I guess my baptism didn't stick. Wrong! Do you know how you get the Rain-X out of your wiper box? You gotta hit the little button, right? And it goes squirt, 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 and it gets on your windshield. Right? But you gotta hit the button. You have to activate the reservoir to pump the fluid on your window to stop the rain from blocking your vision. You have to activate your faith. You have to remind yourself of who you are and whose you are. You have to understand that God has already done the work. So it's repenting. You'd have to stop picking up those sins. Believing the gospel message of becoming a member of Christ's body. How beautiful is that? How beautiful a thing is it? So, so in Matthew 3, 11, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Can you see the two baptisms? So the church wants to argue a lot of times that there's only one baptism. Some say there's two, some say there's three, blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? Like you can find somebody to tell you whatever you want. But here's the gospel saying that there's two. Amen. Okay, there's two. One is repentance. Which one are we calling people to as the church? Like when we call to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the, name, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Which one? Are we celebrating John's baptism or Jesus? 
John's baptism. That's what we do. Because we are not Jesus, it's up to Holy Spirit to come and fill you, right? It's up to the Lord to do this. And so it gets really confusing. And I think, I think that we're going to uh, study baptism sometime real soon. We're going to study it out farther. We're just trying to get a taste. All right, so anybody confused about the two baptisms yet? Anybody confused about what they are? Okay, that's good. It's honest. I appreciate that. Right? And so when you study out the book of Acts, it starts talking about it. And this is exactly why I want to study it out more. Because it is, it is like in honesty. And again, I want you guys to be truthful. We're not developing a church where you have to say that pastor's right. When you got a, when you got a question, ask. If I don't know the answer, I'll take it home and study it out right? And we can get to a place where we learn. Why, why do we not know? Because we don't ask. How are you going to know something until you're taught something? How many of you guys, I think we asked this before, but how many of you guys can recite the quadratic equation? Or the quadratic formula equation thingy. I he couldn't last time. <laughs> right? See, so, so if I tell you guys to all, all write out the quadratic equation or you're not saved, you'd go, huh? Hopefully you'd say, well, pastor, the quadratic equation has nothing to do with my salvation. And I'd say amen and we'd move on. So you, you, it's okay to ask. It's okay to question. It's okay to walk and learn. Like, it's absolutely okay. We're trying to do something different here. We're not going to play where I just assume that you know everything that I throw at you. I, I'm not going to assume that you understand it. So receiving Jesus is receiving new life or giving or life-giving baptism. New creation. The Holy Spirit is given to the new believer to give new life to them. But as we read in Acts 1, the second baptism is coming as promised. Okay, so here we go, Acts 1, 4 through 5. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart. Who stayed with them? What's your, what's your hint as to who stayed with them? So if you have a Bible and you see red letters, what does that mean? That's Jesus speaking. They quote him in red. So when you see this up on the slides, you know that that's Jesus speaking. So when the subject matter points to somebody and then you can see it in red, you probably guess, you can follow right along with the subject and you can see who it is. Okay, so, so you can see that we're talking about Jesus. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So this also helps us to understand that there's something more coming. Even Jesus said it, right? So Jesus was, do you remember when Jesus was what? He went down to the river and John did what? He was baptized. But he's saying there's something more. So what happened? Remember the sky was torn open and the spirit of a dove came on him, empowered him to do the work that he was to do. Now he's saying that spirit is coming. 
That spirit is coming, so he was baptized and then something happened. Acts 2.38, and Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So what the law once did, this forgiveness of sin, right? They had all these laws in the Old Testament that would tell you that if you did X, Y, or Z, if you, if you killed a fattened calf, if you did the spotless lamb, if you did the doves, if you did... And they go through this whole list of things that you could do to be forgiven for this or that. That was the law. And Jesus came to fulfill the law. He was the last sacrifice for us, for our sins, so that we don't have to do all that sacrificial killing. He was the sacrificial death for us. So if we go into Acts 9, so Ananias departed and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me to, so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes. He regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized. So this is Saul before he started his Christian ministry. He got knocked off his donkey. Remember, he got knocked on his butt. He's like, whoa, what happened? And he, he couldn't see. And for three days he sat. Now Ananias comes on God's orders and says, dude, like you're going to get your sight back, right? Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road, you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord's Spirit, as our, as our Lord and Savior, we receive Holy Spirit in us. But then what did he do? And it's important. Then he rose and went and baptized. You see, so Saul didn't understand who Jesus Christ was by the teachings that he was taught. Now he sees who Jesus really is. And he gets up. He's now Christian and he goes to be baptized. What baptism did he receive? Water baptism. So if we turn in our Bibles to Colossians 2, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, it, becomes, it comes before the, the Timothys and the Thessalonians. Two, two through seven. Okay, so that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mercy, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit. Okay, so it's important to understand what's being said here. Like, how is Paul with them? 
how is Paul with them? So what good does prayer do, right? So if we just say words, what good does prayer do for somebody somewhere else if we don't believe in Holy Spirit? You see what it's saying here? I'm with you in spirit. There's something supernatural that binds the believers together that we receive when we take Jesus as our Lord and Savior. This baptism, this washing and cleansing allows us to do this. Though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. So what are we doing? What are we doing when we walk in yesterday and not in what Christ is doing? Colossians 2, 2 through 7. Yep, chapter 2, verses 2 through 7. And so there's something here. There's something here that we need to understand that we are bound and tied together by the Holy Spirit to do something greater only by the power of the Holy Spirit. But yet we need that baptism to recognize, to be able to recognize that the things of this world don't have power and dominion over us. We join in his death, burial, and resurrection, and we are risen by the same spirit, rooted and grounded in Christ Jesus now. He is our center. He's all that we are and all that we have, but we have to remember who he is in us and who we are in him. Otherwise, it doesn't do any good. So you're wondering why the same things keep happening. Check your walk. Where are you in your walk? Where are you in your understanding of Holy Spirit in you? You have the power and authority to tell the enemy to go to hell. Go back where you came because you do not have the power in me. But so many of us, so many of us are living with this false belief system that we learned from a child. That's why it's so important to raise your kids up that even when they're acting like they're demon seed, you speak life into them. You speak life and you speak love into them. And you want so badly to say, you little so-and-so, I'm gonna rip your little rip and rip But what happens? What happens when we remind ourselves who we are? And we say, I know I know that you're hurting, or I know that you're struggling. I know, I know that you really want to go do this. I know that. And I'm sorry that you can't right now. And I know, parents, that the kids aren't going to get it right away. Like, they've been trained, right? We've, we've taught our kids that it's behavioral modification, not heart transformation. And it's hard because this gets their attention now. And when you speak life and love into them, it takes longer but which one's going to bear the fruit that you're looking for right parenting is long suffering <laughs> so who are you ever going to get this like like kid i don't know what's going on with you but and then we have to look at what we're doing 
And so, Rachel, you're, you're without child yet. And one day you'll be married to a good man who will love you, who will love you perfectly and amazingly, just the way that God created you to be loved. If you are willing to wait for God to bring you somebody to be equally yoked, to be raised up, somebody who, somebody who actually sees your value greater than you see it, right? Because you're worthy to be built up. You're worthy to walk through life with somebody who's going to build you up. Just as Christ is always there in your singleness, and it's hard because we long for attention. It's like my heart cries out for attention. Like I prayed for years. It's like, God, would you please take my desire to be with somebody? Would you take it away? If you're not bringing me somebody, then take this desire to be with somebody. Take it away. And nope, nope, nope. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And I'm like, God, you just don't hear me, do you? God's not deaf. He hears you. But what happens if he's preparing you? If I had met my wife 15 years ago, uh, we'd have been done and gone already. <laughs> like, wouldn't have made it. I got, I got proof for that. But when you take the time to recognize who you are, whose you are, that the work has already been done, and you start telling the enemy that his lies don't have any power over you, when you stop giving people authority to speak negative into your life and you stand up, it's going to hurt. You're going to face opposition and people are going to tell you you're a freak and you're never going to make it. And uh, there are so many days coming that are going to look like you're not going to make it. But if you form a family here, if you form a bond and you start building relationships and getting honest, if you getting vulnerable with people who love you, people who are called, yeah, we're going to fail you from time to time, but it'll be, I hope, less painful and less often. I hope. But you also got to remember that we're all a work in progress, right? We're not going to do it perfectly every time. So if I could have the worship team come forward, we'll kind of wrap this thing up. <clears throat> But I hope, I hope that you guys are encouraged to know that this is what God calls us to do, part of the Great Commission and why. Because through baptism, things begin to change. And so we look forward with hope in our hearts, in faith, that God is doing something. But guess what? If you're not putting nothing into it, guess what you're going to get out of it? Nothing. nothing. So don't come to me and say, Pastor, God doesn't do anything in my life because guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to ask you and I'm going to drill down. I'm going to find out what's going on. I'm, I'm a detective. And you're going to get angry because I know that my God works. And I know that he loves you. And I know that he has a plan. And I know that sometimes it takes a minute. But when you learn to walk with Jesus, you learn to give him all that he is. Things will change. Amen? So, Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for baptism. We thank you, Father God, that uh, you're ridiculously awesome. That you can bring change in our hearts and in our lives. To you be the glory, Lord. Amen.